Luck on Sunday. Brought to you by Whirlpool. Bet with the world. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. And we also welcome, as I mentioned earlier on, one of the leading traders in the country. He has been since he took over from his dad. In fact, you were probably part of the, the, the success that your dad had, of course. Richard Hannon, uh, first of all, I should ask, how is your dad and how are you and the family? Yeah, he's good. Um, yeah, mum and dad still doing very well there every day and family doing well and horses doing well and not much to complain about, really. What part does your dad play? I mean, does he still oversee <laughs> everything you do? Yeah, you know, he's, he's there every day. He's in the office and um, he still enjoys it very much. Still part of the decision making and whinging. He still has a set, <laughs> what we call the uh, Saturday Club, which is a group of him and four, five, six mates. And they come and whinge about everything every Saturday. <laughs> it still happened yesterday, but they're good blokes. And, you know, you've got to enjoy that part of it as much as any part. It's great. Um, and tell me about your, the way you think your season's gone so far. I had a look at the stats, look at the numbers. You've passed 100 winners again. You're up to nearly two and a half million pounds in prize money. That's, of course, just in Britain. Rosalian added to, yep. to the money uh, in France. I mean, how would you assess the way things have gone in 2023? Yeah, it's gone, gone very well. You know, any year where you, you pass sort of two million pound in prize money is a good year. And 100 winners, uh, you've got group winners. It's about finding stars, more so nowadays than ever. And I think, as you say, in Rosalian, you know, hopefully we found one. And that's the most important thing is to find them. But you need, obviously, your numbers are built around that. Early on, I thought we were a bit behind the, the eight ball in terms of where I wanted to be with winners. And, you know, but the two roles, we have a different type now. And they're not about all the early you know, pigeon hold off, smash and grab, super sprint, yeah. because that's not what we're about. And, you know, we've got a lot of nice two-year-olds still to run. And, well, there's another Rosalian now, not. I doubt it, but I hope so. Well, tell me the story of Rosalian, because he has earned a lot of admirers. Even before he went to France, heading into Doncaster, well, we'll come to that in just a moment. But when he first appeared on the race course before his debut, what, what had he shown you? What had he done at home? Had he excited you? He, we never really, you know, he was just in the mix, in amongst the two-year-olds. Never really noticed him. He's a lovely attitude. and till the first day he did a piece of work. And I think uh, an owner called Pat Gallagher came down. We worked his horse with this horse. And I was like, oh, either his isn't very good. And his was second in the, in the sales race yeah. yesterday. Well, this is pretty, you know, pretty special horse. And, and he's worked like that ever since. And he's been, he's caused us no, no worry or anything like that, apart from that one day at Doncaster, yeah. where if you, you went like that, you could have blown me over when he got beaten. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> you know, I walked. The traffic was that bad on Ledger Day. I walked the last two miles, me and Tony Gorman. And to get us two to walk two miles, you must be a pretty good horse for <laughs> us to get out of the car and walk and arrive yeah. there dripping sweat. And then when he got beaten, I couldn't believe it. So 
I wasn't mad about running him in, in Paris. Sheikh Mohammed Abay said the ground's going to be lovely there. If it was ground, we should go there. So we did, and he bounced back and showed us what he could do. Well, we'll have a look at you know what he's done so far and, and talk a little bit more about it. The debut the debut successor at Newbury was was smooth, yeah. but we've seen lots of two-year-olds win nicely at Newbury. We've seen some train on, some not train yeah. on. Were you always confident that he would come on for that run? I mean, it seems to me as well that your horses improve. I mean, that's the yes. pattern that you, yeah. you, you'll run a two-year-old and they're going to yeah, get that's better. That's the idea. You know, they have to be a resilient. If they're going to win first time and go on, they have to be a very good horse. And Sometimes if you do win first time, that's to your detriment. Yeah. We've sent Camphor Cliffs, Tornado, Rosalian, you know, all sorts of very good horses to Newbury first time. It's up the road. Arguably, I thought it could have been a little more impressive for me first time. I was delighted yeah. that he won, but I thought he would be a little more of the wow factor. But that probably is a sign of a, you know, he, he was going there to improve for that run, and that's what he did. And he certainly produced the wow factor at Ascot oh, yeah. in a race that has worked out yeah. <laughs> better than anyone could have even predicted. Yeah, I remember I, I went there thinking that he was our best two-year-old and he drifted to like 11 to 1. You obviously didn't tell anyone this. Though. Well, I kind of did. I kind of got to the stage where nobody listens anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that surprised. I backed him, funny enough. And I backed him with Hookham uh, of Shaker Hisses yeah. that won the... Uh, on the King, the King, King George. George. Yeah. And I knew I was in the next race. I said to the bookmaker, this happens to win. Can you just have it on my two-year-old in the next? <laughs> and he did. <laughs> and it won. And I nearly walked out the race course without it. I'd forgotten because he'd won so well. I was talking to people and the bookmaker having a shout from the bridge over the top of the paddock at Ascot. Yeah. I got your money, Mr. I was like, oh my God, I forgot <laughs> about that. So I went and picked it Not up. Not an insurmountable amount, I suggest. Oh, no. Yeah. No, don't worry. It was wasted. <laughs> I've probably been put on something else, but yeah, it was a great day. And, and for me, that I haven't seen a more impressive two-year-old performance than that all year. And, and give me the sense of satisfaction, but also excitement. Relief. The moment, well, relief as well. Yeah. Well, when he comes there travelling <clears throat> on the bridle, I mean, and he is tanking still. Yeah, and that's good. He, he travelled extremely well and never really looked like getting beaten. And I would have been happy with him just swinging a nose or head or whatever. And he won extremely well, which ours don't normally do. You know, the ilks of Mum's Tipple, mm. quite often when they win like that, their next run, they, they bounce slightly. Right. And they don't show that level next time. And whether it was the ground or he got a smack on the, over the nose with a whip in the race, yeah. their excuses, I still thought he, he would win at Donny, and he didn't. And I still can't really put my finger on it, but, you know, the relief at Longchamp in front of all, all the Brits. This is just full of Brits yeah. on, on Arc Day. And, you know, for, a, for about an hour, you walk around and you feel a bit like the Pope. <laughs> Between Doncaster and, I must admit, when I saw him enter, then declared to run in France, I was, I'm a big fan of the horse. And, yeah. and I was a bit perturbed. Yeah. Having run how he did at Doncaster, I was, yeah. oh God, no, is this the right decision? But, you know, between myself and Sean and the guys and Tony, and we always knew he was what he could do. And he definitely hadn't shown it then. And he had worked very well going into that race and very well, we'd, he'd only done his routine counters really on the way to Paris. He did one piece of work at Everly on the grass. And, you know, it was a big shout, but with the backing of Sheikh Mohammed Abade, yeah. which I had, kind of didn't feel like I was, I was putting a, 
an arm out, so to speak, yeah. you know, and reaching for something that was unachievable. And, and it made it easier, the fact that primarily it was his idea. All I had to do was get the horse there right. And I knew he was right last time. Yeah. So I didn't have to, you know, we didn't have to do much with him. And he produced what, what we knew he could. And I think Ryan Moore said to, to Sean, that was a big shout bringing him here 15 days later. Maybe it was a stupid one, but <laughs> well, we, we got away with it. And that's what the game's about, isn't it? Uh, would it be fair to say that he <laughs> is potentially the best horse potentially yeah. the best horse that you've trained yeah. on your own yeah i think that's a fair comment certainly you know group one winning two-year-olds they are extremely hard to mm. find you know tiggy wiggy she was streets above everything everything else we had and she didn't never really got the mile yeah this fella is will get the mile no problem at all he's he's a great big horse it was never about him being a two-year-old and hugely excited and that's why i don't want to go and run him again and undo all that hard work that we've done you know we've got our horse back yeah. from Doncaster and we look forward to the guineas it makes their winter a lot lot shorter and they're long as you know because <laughs> yes. you go to Trinidad or <laughs> wherever you go well <coughs> I've probably tried following your footsteps head off to some Barbados. luxurious part of the west coast of Barbados yes. um, is that the plan at some point this yeah not any yeah for a, a week or eight days or something yeah. I might do on the back of my uh, two-year-old star yeah well I mean I, I think people often assume that once the flat season comes to a conclusion on Champions Day, maybe the, uh, the, the meeting at Doncaster after that, that you can put your feet up. Yeah, well, a, lot of you, a lot of that is, the racing now is, is all year round, as you know, on your weather. But as soon as the, the main turf racing stops, we are flat out into yearlings. Yeah. We're getting them ready. We have to sell them. That's a lot of work, yeah. you know, and a lot of having to be places and go places. and. So it, really, that different area of the industry, we're into that then, mm. and the horses are getting relaxed and ready for to build up for next year. And we're trying to get our squad ready of two-year-olds and get them sold so we don't own any of them, because that is a disaster when we own them. <laughs> yeah. uh, just tell people at home, and I'm as interested as anyone, right? so you've got a, a, a potential 2,000 guineas winner, certainly a yeah. 2,000 guineas leading contender. Yeah. What, what happens between now and the start of next year? I mean, does he go away? Does he no. stay with you? He, he, he will stay at home and he will just do his routine exercise every day. He, they'll do, when he gets very cold, you know, after Christmas particularly, they go, they go up to the woods and they trot for miles and miles and do a lot of different slower work and they're still cantering. Mm. Obviously, you know, they're getting a mash feed twice a week and it's all about, you know, getting them back, giving them a, a slightly different routine. Yeah. But not much different. He might lead the yearlings. Some of them enjoy doing that. Yeah. Some of them enjoy just jumping and kicking and giving the lads a hard time. But that's the fun of the fair. And then when he's obviously, I'm assuming you might go straight for the guineas or would the. Yeah, would well, the we, we can't go anywhere, Rishi, where there's soft ground again. That would right. be silly. So whether we go Greenham, Craven, one of the two, or guineas, or straight to the guineas, you know, we'll just have to be um, led by the weather. We'll have to get him ready as if he's going to go to a trial. He needs to be working in. in early April. So with that in mind, with early April being potentially, or middle of April where he comes back, somewhere around there, when would you start asking him a little bit more of a question and get well, back Well, sort of the end of March. Oh, okay. Yeah, you start going a bit quicker for a bit longer and a lot, <coughs> we have a gallop called what we call the, the straight mile at Everly and horses like Barney Roy, Knight of Thunder, Tormore, Havana Gold, Camford Cliffs. Impressive that, wasn't it? <laughs> That's a good list. 
you know, that's Strong where we did their work. Yeah, yeah. All, all the way through Sky Lantern as well, all the way through with, um, you know, sort of end of March, and then we build them up and then get them to a trial to where they'll improve. All our Guineas winners, all my Guineas winners anyway, have been beaten in their trial, shockingly enough. Uh, exactly, and you know, so they obviously need it. So I'd like to take them to a trial, but um, we'll just wait and see what the crowd's like at the time. Welcome back to Luck on Sunday, and Tom Marquand is in the studio alongside myself and Neil. And obviously one of the big talking points, outside the talking points, uh, Neil has been contemplating the question as to what pastry would Tom Marquand actually like? I'm going to have a donut now. We keep talking about these donuts. <laughs> it's quite donut. rude, actually, in a way, mm. for poor Tom to... Uh, did you have a preference? Um, I might take a donut home with me in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's obviously a day that you're not riding today. I mean, on a day that you're not riding, will you allow yourself a little treat along the way? Or? Yeah, look, I, obviously it's um, it's a pretty intense season in the UK and uh, a, a rare day off. I think I'd say this is probably only my sort of fifth or sixth day not riding since the start of the sort of championship season. Wow. So, um, look, I, I'll be going, going and having a Sunday lunch and having dessert as well, oh, really? so for sure. Uh, um, that, well, yeah. I'm going in the sauna later. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about that. Work off that day. <laughs> if you have something like that, would it then cost you in terms of exercising and yeah. fasting or dieting afterwards? Or Yeah, look, obviously it has ramifications. Like the next day you wake up heavier, but... Um, uh, I'm at Pontefract tomorrow, so uh, and and nothing too light, so it gives you a day or two loo to get it off again. But um, yeah, like it, it inevitably, you have that bounce effect. Sadly. So what would you what would you have to, to eat today? Oh, well, a Sunday roast, beef, for sure. Yorkshire pudding, roast potatoes. Absolutely. Yeah. Superb. Lots of great <laughs> homemade gravy, obviously. None yeah. of this. Uh, it's funny, uh, we were just chatting just before we came back, and I was saying um, some, obviously, we talk about jockeys really being abstinent, you know, from all treats. I, was, I read a really interesting story about Novak Djokovic the other day, who obviously doesn't have any chocolate and doesn't have any anything bad. He just eats well, very green stuff. But after he won some tournament in Australia, his, um, his trainer came in um, to treat him and he broke off one square of a chocolate bar and he gave it to him and Djokovic sort of put it on his tongue and just savoured it for about 20 seconds. And that was, that was it. I'd say he has I mean, more self-control than pretty much all jockeys <laughs> in the country. Yeah, it's we're, just ridiculous. Yeah, we're, look, we're, we're obviously in the bizarre sort of weight-making game and it, it's different, it's tough, but yeah. um, I, I, I'd say 99% of jockeys are suckers for having a sweet tooth oh, really? or stuff like that. Yeah, well, but, so, so um, Neil could yeah, be a jockey because yeah, yeah, yeah. that donut. <laughs> he I, I could virtually be a jockey. <laughs> I think you're exactly just right. disappeared in no time. Um, Tom, we, we, we've got lots to talk about, um, but just as we are just at the end of the chat with Richard, we were talking about Inspire and Frankie and retiring. What are you hearing on the grapevine about Frankie? I, I, obviously the same as everybody else. Um, it's sort of... We're seeing the Frankie Farewell tour, but it doesn't really feel like it's um, all, all too um, certain. Certain would be the right word. Um, if he pitches up in the weighing room for the Craven next year, <laughs> no, I mean, what would the reaction be of the lads? Though, there would be no reaction because I don't think anyone would be surprised. Like, look, he's 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 at the top of his game and riding incredibly well. And and um, look, he says. He's saying it's the right time to retire, but is it? I, look, only he knows that. Um, but 
look, he, he, he's been at the top of our sport for so long and, and, and if this is the time that he wants to retire, then uh, I think absolutely, if, if that's what he believes, then it's the right time to retire. And if he doesn't believe that, then it's not the right time to retire. And, yeah. and you know, it's, a, it's, it's something that comes into sort of question for all of us at some point, but um, only, he, he's the only one that can answer it because he knows how he's feeling. Yeah. So. Uh, look, it, it's it's remarkable what he's been doing this season, and and he's clearly enjoying the sort of surrounding effects of of yeah. being on that um, sort of uh, retirement um, lap of honour as such. Yeah, well, it's interesting because you you are talking about trying. He's the only one that can answer it. We all trying to find little clues, etc. <laughs> uh, and when he did that interview, I mean, you, you see him closer up than the rest of us. But when he did the interview with Lydia after he won yesterday, I know you won't ask it, but. Um, he sounded, it seemed a little bit more emotional to suggest that it is. Maybe Asuka is the end. And, you know, that well, seems to be the plan that Asuka in two weeks' time is the end in Britain, at least. Yeah. Is, that, is that what you detected, Neil? He definitely, yeah. He, he did. I mean, obviously, like for top level sports people, to f find something else to do with the rest of their life is very difficult. You know, a lot with, in history, a lot of footballers and jockeys have, have mm. struggled with that, you know, often with alcoholism and whatever, because they, you know, they're, they're struggling to sort of redefine themselves. Yeah. Uh, and in racing, often the thing that they do is to go into training. And if, if you don't go into racehorse training or media, and, uh, yeah. you know, we, there's not that many media jobs going around. You know, we don't need too many people stopping you from getting your gigs, Rishi, do we? Uh, and too many ex-jockeys. But um, I, I don't know, you know, you have to find a path in life, yeah. don't you? And it's, it's, you can't just do Strictly Come Dancing every year. <laughs> well, he could. He probably could, he could do that in the jungle. He hasn't done those. He's done Big Brother. Mm. Um, there's a whole host. He could do master, celebrity mastermind and all that sort of stuff. So there's a real treadmill uh, for those celebrities. Whether Frankie will be treading it, don't know. Um, but we will hopefully chat to him a little bit later on about retirement, amongst other things. Uh, one horse who we know has definitely retired is Westover after that fabulous run behind Ace Impact in the Art. The man on board that day, Rob Hornby, joins us uh, on the line now. Rob, how are you? Yeah, good morning, Richie. Um, yeah, very well, thank you. Um, thanks for having me on. No, thank you for coming on. And obviously very sad that um, Westover's had to be retired after the run behind Ace Impact. But at least he's retired to have a second career. And I'd just like to start with what he has meant to you and the opportunities that you got on him. Obviously, there's a little bit of controversy at one point of 2022. But overall, um, what's your appreciation of the horse? Yeah, it's just been a phenom phenomenal journey, really, Richie. Um, you know, it's just very lucky to, to come across a horse as, as talented as he was. And, um, you know, what a kind of three years it's been from from winning his his debut at two and um obviously quite lightly raced at two but then to, to come out at first run at three and win win a derby trial and then have an opportunity to to, to wear those famous colours in an in an English derby was a huge honour and a and a privilege and um you know unfortunately didn't quite go the way we wanted that day but you know as as happened so many times around Epson in, in a derby but um for him then to come out and show his his, his class and, and his his true ability in the Irish Derby and you know completely um, demolish the field over there was um, always something that we we felt he was capable of and um, really 
great that he went and showed it, but you know, he was still quite a a weak and Im- immature three year old at, at the time and that probably showed in the King George at Ascot when um you know he he, he um just bored over slightly and, and, and over race and didn't run his true running and that's probably the only bad run he's had in his whole career and to then get another opportunity to ride him in in now two arcs is um you know very special for for any jockey you know wanting to to compete and and um and and be in this game that's where everyone wants to be wants to be at and um yeah just um again a, a huge honor and a privilege to have, have had the opportunity it has been an honour watching him race, especially this year, Rob. Obviously, you mentioned his Irish Derby win last year, but this year, you look at some of the horses that he's finished second to, Equinox in the Shima Classic, Emily Upjohn in the Coronation Cup, obviously Hookham in the King George, and then Ace Impact uh, in the Ark. Um, what, what was your opinion on the quality of the Ark uh, and how good a winner we had and how good and, and deep a race it was this year? Yeah, obviously, any arc is um, extremely competitive, and um, obviously, Ace Impact going into the race unbeaten uh, and an untried over that trip. Um, also, you know, very, very um, uncommon that it comes up as fast ground as well, which um, I think really, really, um, um, although he, he's come out with a with an injury from it, he he was electric on the day, and um, you know, been fantastically prepared for the race. Um, by Rafe and, and his whole team and particularly having that break after Ascot to, to then get him back up to um, top shape um, for the race was 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 brilliant and uh, everything went smoothly. Um, when I came past Hookham coming inside the furlong, I, I thought, we've, you know, we've got a real good chance here because he's always going to fight for me and um, unfortunately was, was, was just denied. But he's, you know, he's just had a remarkable, a fantastic four-year-old career you know campaign this 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 year and he's really developed into the horse that that he always has been but he's strengthened up into his frame and he's also grown up mentally and uh, I think that showed throughout all his runs this year really and um you know sadly it's it's come to a, a an end now and 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 um but he's going to have a hopefully a, a very successful stud career going forward what do you think was the best performance of his career would have been the Irish Derby. Would have been finishing placed in the Derby, the Arc. Yeah, I'd probably say um, the uh, the King George. You know that Titanic battle that I had with Hookham. Um, I I would probably put down in his biggest and bravest performance. Um, you know, and it it was a very special day that day. You you really got a sense that the whole crowd. You know, really realised what a what a battle it was and, and kind of won those races for the ages and I've never had quite a reception for finishing second and I think everyone just appreciated what a what a battle it was. Unfortunately we didn't come out on top but um yeah I'd I'd probably put that down as as his career best really. Yeah, so it's nice to just have Tom on his own for a moment and not have any distractions of anyone sitting next to him, taking uh, time to chat. And uh, Tom, I, I set it up this morning when you were coming on the show saying another successful year, um, lots of good horses to ride again. Um, perhaps not quite one absolute standout horse, but you've been on, on some very good ones this season. Um, how are you going to sum up the way things have gone to this point in the season? Well, obviously, still a lot of big racing to come. Yeah, obviously, look, it's been, it's been a great year. Um, you know, having 
having had a sort of uh, rocky <laughs> rocky start to the um, to the calendar year coming into the season was um, you know it was it was it was important to to try and do what's been happening in the last couple of years and ride lots of winners and try and find some good horses along the way and like you say it, it's uh, uh, a champion hasn't sprung out mm. but we've been very fortunate or I've been very fortunate alongside uh, obviously being attached to William Haggis and, and, and Maureen and the team at Somerville Lodge to, to have had some sort of great days at the festival meetings um, alongside some um, good sort of outside ride spares and yeah. stuff and, and it's, been a, it's been an enjoyable year in that I, I feel like there's been those not some of those sort of big group one moments but some sort of special memories and and I I'd say two or three years ago I probably wouldn't <laughs> I probably wouldn't have cared all too much about those moments but I think certainly the more uh, the more time you have in racing the more you can actually sit back and appreciate um, things that are happening around you and and um, a bit of a bit of bad luck certainly um, makes you appreciate when you have a good time it's funny you say that because one thing that when I knew you were coming on the show, one thing I wanted to ask you about was, yes, you remain amongst the elite uh, riders in, in the country. But just listening to you talking over the last couple of seasons, it, it seems as if your, your stature within the weighing room as a, a senior member, senior representative of the body seems to be growing. I mean, you've done a number of interviews talking about important topics within the sport, whether it's saunas, riding at one meetings, mental health, etc. It seems that you seem very comfortable in a role like that. Obviously, being successful on, on a horse helps. Do you feel that, that that's something that's happening naturally with going with the, with, with the territory? I, yeah, I think so. I th Look, I, I, I've I felt like the last season or two, um, yeah, you, 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 your role changes within the weighing room, and your role changes as a as a person. Sort of, uh, your whole, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Your position within it all changes, and you know, four, four, five years ago, um, you don't, you don't want to speak up about things, and you li you sit and listen rather than speak yeah. because you. You know, you don't want to be the, the outlandish one to to say something that other people don't agree with. But now I th I feel like there's there's a lot of things that I feel quite passionately about within within the sport and not just from the jockey side. And and um, it it's 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 nice being able to sometimes sort of have that platform to be able to openly speak to people about it that have different opinions and stuff like that. And 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 it's something that I quite enjoy to be honest. So. Um, yeah, there's no point. Uh, there's no point not doing it anyway. Certainly. Okay. If you just take a pause here, because uh, Tom, your mic has just slipped down. And I'm going to be like a, a, a I'm going to be like a, a floor manager to you, or a, or a Sorry. maybe like your dad, some sort of that age. There we go. Back on. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously adopted. <laughs> Although I, I also rode once. You may want to know. Um, but just going, just going back to that, and you're talking about, you know. All the things that you feel passionately about. What would be the what would be the one thing above all else that you think you, you really care about with regards to your role as a as a rider? Um, I, I, you I, don't have to have one. You I, can have more. Uh, yeah, than one, I was going to say I'd be lying if there's one that stands out more so than the others. I think there's a lot of things going on within the weighing room and and, and racing um, from jockeys' point of views, purely jockeys' point of views, and obviously it's in this country we have. Quite, quite a few, and it's you know we have 
the sauna weight debate. Um, where do we stand on that at the moment? What, uh, what's going on with that? <laughs> um, quiet, but um, look, we're 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 hopeful that steps are going to be made uh, in the right direction for um, for jockeys because something has to be done. And, and um, obviously, we were we were we were all quite vocal about it earlier in the season because yeah. it was something that uh, inevitably affects our lives so strongly, like. So this is sort of my first day off, um, or my sort of fifth, sixth day off of the season. Mm. It, that brings to perspective the amount that this affects you in the fact that you're making weight six, seven, eight times a day. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a point a lot of jockeys feel strongly on. Um, the double meeting thing is more of a sort of personal personal preference. You know, some some of the boys and, and girls disagree with me, some agree, mm. different people at different points in their career are always going to think different things and um, absolutely sort of yeah, fine. I, I, and I, you were on, I think, on, on Nick's podcast and I yeah. suggested that, you know, it's all right, you're talking about it as one of the elite riders. There are other jockeys who wouldn't. I've absolutely. got a lot of stick for people <laughs> for saying that. No, but it's, but it, it, it's, a, it's something to be canvassed, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think people will be very surprised different jockeys' reactions. It's not... Um, if you're higher, higher up in that championship table, you agree with it, and if you're lower down in the championship table, you disagree with it. It's not that at all, and that's what I found that, you know, by talking, talking to different people, there's 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 people that are sat 50th in the championship that want double meetings, yeah. and there's people that are sat in the top five or six that don't want don't right. want them. So, it I think it's more of uh, what stage in your career you're at, and 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 probably what stage in life you're at more so than anything. Um, that's a fair point. But 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 I'm in look, I'm in a very rare position that both Holly and I are riding and we're young and uh, we want to basically just do as well as we can and 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 capitalise uh, while things are going well and and um, I I just think it seems bizarre that um, you're sort of almost the anchor's chucked out behind you and you're not allowed to. And, and look, that's that's something that I feel like in five years' time, eight years' time, I don't know, I'll probably feel very differently about it and I won't want to be going on to Wolverhampton or, or yeah. wherever in the evening after I've ridden somewhere else. But but I think inherently the jockeys have to take that initiative and say no sometimes. And we're very guilty in this country of jockeys just running around and, 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 <coughs> and uh, feeling like we're pressured into doing things. and. In other countries, it's just so different. Yeah. Again, I can flick straight back to Australia because yeah. it's my, it's the most obvious one. You know, James McDonald doesn't go to Gosford on a Tuesday to ride in eight races because obviously everybody's going to want to put him on all the best horses that day. He doesn't yeah. do it. He rides at uh, Warwick Farm on a Wednesday. He might go to a provincial meeting to ride a, a horse that's stepping back into City Company next time, yeah. um, and he'll ride on a Saturday. And the rest of the time, he says no. And I think, you know, Frankie's done it amazingly well um, for for a significant number of years. And um, I just think jockeys probably need to take a bit more responsibility with that. But there shouldn't be a sort of rule in place to yeah. stop the people that don't want to do that. Um, I don't know. People will disagree. I know some a lot of trainers disagree with me as well um, in the fact they don't like uh, jockeys rushing around. But I, again, I think you know maybe if it were to come back in, uh, it, 
as I would like it to come back yeah. in, it would be in a different manner of before, like it was a bit silly what we were yeah. doing sometimes, but there can be different restrictions in place and, and things like that yeah. to make it safer, safer. Uh, just just like not having saunas is safer. Um, yeah, the, 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 but those two are probably the predominant um, sort of problems or talking points in the wedding room right now. Yeah. And, and things at the, at the PGA, have they settled down? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it feels like, obviously, it's been a turbulent, turbulent year for the um, uh, for the group as such, and and now things are starting to work in the right direction. You know, obviously, it's been sort of reformed, yeah. and um, it's a different setup, and and there's different people, and and uh, hopefully, um, sort of the problems the problems of old are going to be gone, and 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 we can start to sort of work in the right direction yeah. with everything. Uh, well, um, you've spoken brilliantly on so many subjects here um, but you also referred to uh, how one jockey has been doing it for uh, a long time doing things successfully and that of course is Frankie de Tori, uh, who's going to join us on the line now morning Frankie how are you can you see the back that's my sauna that now has become a cupboard because <laughs> I, I'm actually leave, living in the gym at the moment because I rented my house out Oh, I thought you'd done something bad and you'd be sent to live in the gym. <laughs> um, just tell me about... It looks a bit weird, but that's, that's pretty normal here. Oh, we, we see your hat, the hat, the well-recognised Frankie de Tori yeah. hat when you ride out in the morning. Now, just tell us about yesterday. Um, I detected a bit of emotion there yesterday when you rode your 500th winner at Newmarket on a filly I know that you love in Spiral. Yeah, well, yeah, because without sin, I didn't feel, you know, I had a knot in my stomach yesterday. Um, well, maybe because you know I'm riding a, a short price favorite on the spiral, and maybe I was overthinking the tactic a bit, and uh, and then obviously I realized I was one short of 500, and also I realized then uh, 14 days to go before I I you know ride my last race uh, in uh, in England. So all of that uh, played a part of my mind a bit, and I was. Uh, yeah, I was I was in myself yesterday, and uh, yeah, I did. You know, I, w I wouldn't be human if I didn't feel like this. Uh, you know, after 36 years doing what I loved, is it's very hard to come to terms that uh, you know he's going to finish soon. Well, just dealing with the filly first of all, and the ride that you gave her, I, I, I summed it up watching it yesterday as, as a no-nonsense ride. You're on the best filly, and you weren't messing about. Would that be fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know you inspire her well. She, uh, she's a super filly, and uh, I didn't want to turn into a sprint, especially with the, with the French are notoriously good at doing that. So I, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that you know, a mile was a mile. Make sure that uh, I would uh, dent to the turn of foot of the French ride by by kicking earlier than I would have done, just to make sure that uh, I wasn't getting caught up in a in a sprint finish and. You know, obviously, you need those that they can do that, and inspire what you definitely can, and makes my life easy anyway. Um, and I know you've also cast your mind forward to two weeks' time at Ascot, yeah. Frankie, and, and already, I, I imagine there are emotions going through every ounce of your body because it's Ascot for a start. It's what we all believe it's going to be the last time you're riding in Britain at, at your course, really. What's 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 the feeling about it? Well, it's, I mean, I've been I've been sweat off, off my feet for the last six months. To be honest with you, I've, I've been 
you know, I when I when I said I was going to retire, I thought things would become easier. But actually, I had twice more workload than I ever done. And um, obviously, we got new market coming up coming up this weekend. It's going to be my last new market, and uh, <laughs> I think new market are doing a bit of a drinks party for me after races. So that's good. I can invite all the people that I've been working with. And then I'll be flying to Milan, what will be my last ride in Milan. That's where it all started with my family, my mom, my dad, my sister, all my school friends. So that's going to be pretty emotional. And then straight back into uh, what's going to be my last week. Again, flat out. I've got a million interviews and uh, doing morning TV and so on and so forth. And, uh, and ask her, you know, obviously, I know I'm retired, but I don't want to take the gloss off. Champions Day because it's all about um, coronating the best horses in, in every category and, mm. and lucky me I've got some absolute weapons that that day and uh, on top of my retirement so uh, it's gonna be I don't want to take my eye off the ball because uh, you know some massive pressure rides of you know possible spiral uh, King of Steel uh, Kier Ross Courage Monami so I gotta make sure that I'm completely focused to it and then uh, I'm sure that I will cry because uh, it's my last day and uh, yes you know of course it doesn't stop there because I'm flying straight to the States for the British Cup and then to Melbourne and then uh, I promised Mark Chan that I'll delay my retirement because he's very keen to run kill, kill Ross in Hong Kong but if he doesn't make it uh, Melbourne could be my last, my last one. Well, it's extraordinary to hear you say that, Frankie, because even in the Racing Post today, there's still speculation that people are saying, I mean, I, I'm sure you'd know, like all of us, people are saying, Frankie's going to ride in America. If he rides a good horse, he might go for the Kentucky Derby. He might come back. Even John, John Goldston suggested you might pop up somewhere along the way. Yeah, listen, I'll be honest here, Rich. I haven't thought beyond, uh, you know, beyond uh, Melbourne or Hong Kong. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm go I said that I'm tired, and at the moment I've got every every right to to, to carry on with that. And I'm looking forward to a good, decent meal and a nice holiday. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody, just because I'm riding a few winners here and there, everybody says, "Oh, you should be doing this, you should be doing that." But listen, I'm 53. Uh, you know, it's. I mean, for, for a jockey, it's pretty long career. So yeah. it, the time has come and, uh, you know, I'm glad that he's I finished like this. You know, I didn't expect it to have a year like this, but, you know, I, I can't predict the future. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to miss it. But in the other end, I, I have enjoyed it. You know, I would have it would have been sad if I would have been retired by you not know, riding in the big races and uh, just floating around in the secondary meeting and, and not winning. So it's, it's, it's turned out to be quite a good, good, good send-off. Well, well, you know, Tom's in the studio. He's been telling us, obviously, that very few people have, have managed the big days better than Frankie Dottori. He was just saying that a few moments ago. But the challenge of you managing Champions Day, I, I would imagine, considering all that will be going on, plus the fact that you say you're riding some, some weapons on the day, um, I, I would suggest that it's as hard a challenge that you would have ever had in your career to manage those emotions. I'll but be honest, Rich, it's, so it's been, I've had six months practice at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been like, it's been like this all year and uh, you know, it's still delivered. So uh, 
look, it's a, it's a massive day, and no one better than myself want to do well. You know, I want to make sure that I get the horses over the line and 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 be calm and and do the right things for every horse. So uh, that's that's the challenge. Uh, you know, I have uh, 40 people coming, all my family, all my friends, agents, people will help me, or you know, all, they're all going to be there. So even more pressure that I have to try to deliver. <laughs> but uh, but you know, I love it. That's uh, you know, I, you know, I like the big days. I like to be nervous. You know, it's it's me. That's why I've been doing for so many years, and uh, mm. I think I need I need that to to get me to tick. Uh, maybe I'm I'm starting to be spoiled, but you know, the 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 mundane Mondays don't excite me anymore. It's it's the the, the chat that I still ring in my ears when I, I I see you doing what you're doing this season. Going back to that documentary that you did, where Catherine says the words to you, you know, show me, show us how good you really are. Um, you know, she, so if you imagine her <laughs> saying that to you on on the Saturday morning before Champions Day, just one more time, it's it yeah. still makes I think a lot of people quite emotional to know that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the kick up the body, and I needed ten years ago when things weren't going so good, and uh, you know, um, I, th I think I paid her back on them words, and uh, but. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we all sometimes need a good shaking up. We all sometimes doubt ourselves, and uh, no different to me. You know, I know I'm a sportsman, but you know there is days that I think that I could have done better. And uh, you know, we all human, and uh, you have to, you just have to learn from it and uh, and be stronger. Welcome back to the show. Neil Channing has rejoined us on the sofa, just in the t-shirt style. It's a little bit chilly in here. It's quite one. chilly in yeah. here, actually. I've noticed that. But I'm very pleased with my t-shirt. So brave, I'm, I'm brave just, soul you are in yeah. just the t-shirt. Um, Sorry, I've stocked up on pastry products. <laughs> it's fine. Um, just, just picking up on, on Frankie's mm. uh, chat, do you feel he's retiring now, having heard him speak oh, this morning? It's impossible to know, isn't it? I mean, I... I between the interview with Lydia and what I just heard then, he sounds quite sort of rueful about it, doesn't he? Don't you think? He, I, I don't think. I think it's really starting to hit home now that this is this is potentially it. Well, I mean, obviously he's yeah. going to ride some horses in America. I honestly, if I had to bet on it, I don't think he'll be back riding at Newmarket next season. No, I don't think so. Right. But. Um, he could do. <laughs> I mean, I, and it, it, it would be a bit weird. I yeah, think. I, I think it would be. I think there's a lot of speculation, but it sounds like um, we, we'll see him at Ascot for the last time in Britain, at least. That that seems almost certain. Um, hopefully, we'll see the next person, the next guest on the show at Ascot at all the racecourses in Britain for, for many years to come. It is, of course, the master trainer, Aidan O'Brien, joining us. Aidan, good morning, and how are you? M morning, thanks, Rishi. How are you? I, I'm not too bad, thank you. I'm not too bad. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, primarily, we were hoping to get a little bit of a steer as to what you might have lining up in the Dewhurst next week because we're all excited to see City of Troy in action once again. Is, is that the plan for him? Yeah, that's the plan, uh, Richie, absolutely. And is he going to come on his own or will there be someone else joining him? Uh, something could come with him. Um, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that has always been his target. Um, uh, yeah, since obviously since he was running the national stakes, that's where um, when he didn't run, that's where we said he was going. So that, that's the plan so far, Richie. 
and, and how has he been? Obviously, the last time we saw him was at Newmarket in, in, in the summer in the July meeting. How has he been since then, physically? Any changes, any alterations to him? Yeah, no, he's done well. He's, he's heavier, bigger now than he was, obviously. Um, but And he is maturing all the time. Um, but um, Dean rides him every day, and, and uh, Finn Burns to meet there in charge of him. And uh, they, listen, they're all very happy with him, Richie, so far. Um, and would it be an option at all for Henry Longfellow? Is he gonna, will, he, will you keep them apart for, for now? I think I think that's the lads are thinking. I, I, I wouldn't imagine they they would uh, run together. Uh, definitely not this year. I, I couldn't see it happening, Richie. Really. And, and just going back to City of Troy, Aidan, um, I think he excited so many people uh, after he won at Newmarket, and, and the, the regard in which you hold him certainly struck a chord with a number of uh, of racing analysts and fans that all sorts of speculation as to what he could do in the future emerged, that he could maybe run on dirt, he could maybe go for a, a Kentucky Derby. Uh, do you see him as an out-and-out -out turf horse? Um, I, listen, obviously, it's by justify, so he probably he is not. Um, he probably uh, could do both, I, I would imagine, if, if the lads decided to do that. Um, um, but obviously, he's, he's, he's a lovely, beautiful moving horse. He gets over the ground very easy, but his dad did that as well. He was a very big, long stride and good moving horse. And, and I suppose he's very similar, really. And, and we're not that far away from Champions Day. Um, what, what's the team looking like? How, how strong will it be? Um, sure, I suppose uh, Paddington looks like he's going to go to the mile. Uh, Luxembourg could go to the champion. Um, the Philly just got beaten in the Phillies race in France. Uh, could go to the Phillies uh, and Mayor's turf, um, and uh, Kipriot could go to the two miles. Um, so I suppose that would be the the blunt of it. I, I think at the moment, uh, Richie. And how is Kipriot, Aiden? How how's he been since he uh, came back? Good. Uh, everything has been good with him. Um, we've been happy with his work so far. Um, uh, Rachel rides him in his work. Um, um, uh, Derek is in charge of him with Donald, and, and they're very happy. Patrick writes him out every day, and everybody's very happy with him, really, since. And another two-year-old I wanted to ask you about, Aidan, who I think anybody who watched her in France on the uh, on Arc Weekend, um, very excited about what she might do. But opera singer, my goodness, she was impressive. Are we going to see her again this year? Uh, it's possible, uh, uh, Richie. The lads are thinking about America with her. Um, so obviously she's only back. She did one piece of work the weekend, and Dean Roder and, and he rides her every day as well. And he he was very happy with her. So uh, she's a big, uh, really just maturing all the time. Um, and uh, she's typical justify as well, big long stride. And and uh, the minute she stepped over seven furlongs, like she just really improved and and probably will improve going further. I, I wasn't lucky enough to be at Longshot, but I did read the reports afterwards. And if I'm right, I read something which said that Ryan said after the race that he can't wait for Arc Day next year with her. Was that correct? Yeah, that's right. The minute he, the minute he pulled up coming in and he said that exactly. Yeah, he said, um, yeah, he's looking forward to this day next year with her. So obviously she felt like to him that she would have no problem going way further than a mile and a quarter, or even obviously up to a mile and a half, I suppose, uh, Richie. That, that's what you would have to read into it. Wow, that's very exciting indeed. And, and what I, I mentioned Henry Longfellow earlier, will we see him again this season? Might he go to the Breeders' uh, Cup? Yeah, probably not, I would, I would imagine. Um, I was speaking to the lads the other day and they were saying he was after having three runs and um, obviously and he's, he's won his, uh, his maid in his group race and his group one, you know. So um, uh, I, I suppose, listen, he's still in full work. Um, 
and, and they can decide to do whatever they want to do, obviously. But I just thought, listening to him, that he might not run anymore this year. Um, so many good two-year-olds, and I think you introduced another smart one yesterday at Illinois, and also Diego Velasquez. Just any, any plans for, for those? Yeah, they, um, Illinois, we, we'll take our time with him. He's a big horse, and, and obviously was always going to be more of a three-year-old, um, and obviously a middle-distance three-year-old look, looking at him. Uh, but Seamus was very happy with him. Uh, Oshin rides him out all the time. He was very happy up to yesterday. Um, and then Diego, uh, he's in very good form. Uh, Stephen rides him every day. Um, Rachel rides him in his work, and Finn to meet her in charge of him, and they're all very happy. And the plan always was, uh, with him was to go to the Racing Post Trophy. So, um, and uh, so far, uh, everything is uh, going according to plan, uh, Richie. Uh, Aidan, I've had the pleasure of sitting next to you occasionally at, at certain functions, and one of the things I'm always fascinated by is, is, is this time of the year. There's so much good racing. And I remember talking to you about the, the international travels that, that you have to endure over the next uh, few weeks or so. How much do you look forward to that? And I, I suppose we are, everybody does. Um, it's obviously at the end of the year and uh, the best horses are kind of have to fall into this, their slots naturally, I suppose. Um, and, and like it is a busy time with everything going on this time of the year, but it's a very important part of the year, really, um, when the horses kind of all over Europe and the world meet up and uh, we get a clear picture of what everything is. Uh, so I, I suppose it's, it's very exciting. Obviously, the season goes right up to Christmas nearly now, into the middle of December in, in Hong Kong, and... Uh, and starts early in the in the new year, so I, I suppose it's 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 um, it's changing. I suppose a little bit, a little bit like America now, where all the big races kind of are getting spread out over the whole year. Because when new big races come on on the stream, they have to find a slot that everybody can uh, go to. So it it is, um, but this time of year is busy, and and uh, and I suppose it is exciting as well, Richie. Time to focus on some international racing and the great man himself with a summary of what we've seen in the last 24 hours. Here is Nick Luck. A thoroughly enjoyable day's racing at Keeneland, as it always is for Full Stars weekend and some meaningful Breeders' Cup clues, plus a smattering of Europeans just to pep up the card. And there was plenty of pep shown by the Nunthorpe winner, Live in the Dream, who was blistering out of the gate under Sean Kiran. That was the big question. Could he do to American sprinters what he did to Europeans? And the answer was, well, yes, until the last 100 yards where he ran out of puff. But it was a great run in fourth. Come back half a furlong at the Breeders' Cup. He is a major player. I don't think most of them had ever been so fast in their lives. The first lady, we saw a decent enough run from the little jumbly trained by Joseph O'Brien. She's not quite up to that level in truth, but she was very brave. It was an exactter in a Philly surf race for Chad Brown with two horses owned by Peter Brown, but not on the order that you might have expected. Gina Romantica was the winner under a, a tidy ride from Tyler Gaffleone, beating the very consistent in Italian, but you really feel in Italian needs to lead and to dominate and not be harried. And she just probably went a shade quick, which allowed Gina Romantica to come and take her. But the pair of them were, were well, well clear. And the winner does have a particular affinity for the track here at Keeneland. I thought Todd Pletcher's two-year-old was noteworthy, locked. He showed a great attitude. He didn't get the clearest of passages. Pletcher had won this race last year with Forte before he went on to win the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and I think this horse has got just as strong credentials, to be honest with you. We saw a good performance up in, in New York 
from uh, Timberlake, the winner of the Champagne Stakes, and people will be very impressed with him because he won by a long way, but it was the slop, and I thought uh, Pletcher's horse here locked, oughtn't to be underestimated, he's got a lovely pedigree by the gunrunner and showed all those fighting, tenacious attributes, and the feature race, of course, was the $1 million Keeneland Coolmore Turf Mile. Charlie Appleby and James Doyle were just a done by a nose. Master of the Seas, the Woodbine Mile winner, just having to give best again this time to Todd Pletcher and Jose Ortiz with up to the mark. I think up to the mark's a genuine talent. It is nice to see a really talented homegrown turf horse because they're few and far between these days. But this horse is, I think, divisional leader now for the Breeders' Cup mile, whatever comes over from Europe. I and mean, we assume Inspire is going to go up in trip for the Philly and Mare turf. And I think it'll be these two dominating the market again, up to the market, Master of the Seas. If James Doyle had his time again, I'm sure he'd want to play his, his hand late but he was kind of forced to commit when he did. And in fairness to Master of the Seas, I thought he battled a bit more gamely than, than sometimes he does and was just nailed by a very good horse on the line. So it's been a, a fantastic day here at Keeneland. As I said, uh, living the dream Master of the Seas, emerging with huge credit out of the Euros, and you might well have seen a few Breeders' Cup winners to boot. Uh, thank you very much to Nick Luck with a summary there. And he talked about the very narrow defeat for Master of the Seas. We'll come to that in just a moment. But the Woodford Stakes featured Living the Dream, who, of course, won the Nunthorpe. And he showed blistering speed from the gates. Over six here, Tom. Yeah, and, and, and look, I, I'd well imagine Connections are sort of really pleased to have seen that. And um, it was a shame there was one of the other American horses there just to sort of, it just kept kept him lit the whole way around um, and, and, and the last hundred yards sort of was unfortunate to pay for that but yeah. you know to see to see him do that against fast horses uh, over there yeah. on a turning track I'd, I'd say they'll be extremely encouraged by it. Mm. I'm, I'm normally skeptical about horses that break fast and show plenty of speed in in Europe going to America unless you're a Dejeu. Well they um, kind of think that they wrote the book on that didn't they and they're, they're, yeah. they're not really expecting UK horses to go and do that. This was impressive. Um, yeah. To this point, uh, considering what you're saying Tom, Arzak eventually comes and runs by him and then he's sort of gasping in the last, but he's, he's a five furlong horse. Yeah. yeah exactly, the six round the turn, I mean we, you like to think it's easy, easier on a horse but it's uh, it's another furlong, it's a long way home, especially having yeah. done that work early, but um, yeah, look, I'd, I'd say they're very excited for the Breeders' Cup now mm. after that. Yeah. I, I, I'm from the Epsom area, and you know that the quality in Epsom hasn't been great over the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, yeah. really. You think back to Reg Akers, Jeff Lewis having Lake Coniston and horses like that. It's not been a, yes, there's been a, a harbour law, now a living the dream. It's quite a big thing for the Epsom area Massive. to have a, a horse like this. I mean, if he could put his head in front in the Breeders' Cup, it would mean a, mean a lot to the, to the training establishment. Um, the Coolmore Turf Mile. Um, I'm assuming, Tom, you saw this. Uh, <laughs> poor James Doyle must have thought he was going to win on Master of the Seas. Uh, yeah, and he, like, James gave him an absolute peach as well. And it was one of those, you, you feel a bit heartbroken for him not having to uh, sort of actually have won because um, like he sat on the fence, got the rail run round, just got that perfect out at the right time. And um, to, to, to be honest with you, well, like obviously I only watched it this morning, but like you think it, you think, oh, job done. Yeah. He just goes and wins. And it was actually the horse that was just sat on his outside, came and stalked him through. And uh, look, it, it, was a, it was a huge run and a big performance. And um, just unlucky just where the post landed.
I actually th I, I thought exactly that at the time, and then when I watched the back, I'm thinking the winner must be very good. And Nick has said that obviously in the yeah. summary that uh, he thinks the winner is a very good horse because actually when James gets first run and considering the run he's had round on the rail into the straight and through horses slaloming through I thought really the winner's done well to get him here yeah I, I, this is the first time I've seen it so yeah, I, but, yeah. James goes on the rail here gets the gap yeah the five's the winner the, the winner is second to last yeah and I'm thinking he's in trouble here yeah from here yeah I, I'm wondering how this happens now this yeah well, then you're going to be surprised. We'll leave you in suspense. Well, Tom, you can talk us through what must be going through James's mind here. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'd oh, say yeah. probably it's it's pretty definitive. He thinks he's got one to run down, yeah. and he won't be thinking anyone's followed him through to the extent that that the eventual winners managed yeah, that to. Is, that um, is pretty. Uh, that's pretty sexy. That, that yeah. winner there. Yeah. Sexy was exactly the word <laughs> I thought of when I saw it last night. At whatever time it was, um, <laughs> ten forty-five on a Saturday night. Uh, okay. <laughs> Too uh, much information. Godolphin touched <laughs> off there, James Doyle and, and Master of the Seas.